Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for our time together to dive into your word. Your word is living and active, and we thank you that it is going to go right into our spirits and do what you have called it to do. It is going to sharpen us. It is going to decipher truth. It's going to convict us and make us more like you with great grace and love because God, you are calling us close to your heart and you're calling us to be men and women of truth. So we answer that call, we respond, and we dive into your word in Jesus' name, amen. Well, Proverbs 3, 3 to 8 says this. Let's say it together. Let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck and write them on the tablet of your heart so you will find favor and good success in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. Do be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. So for today, as I'm about to dive in, I've used the following resources. Enduring Word by David Guzik, ESV Study Bible, my personal NLT Study Bible, and the Bible blog. So those are some resources I've used. So here we go. As part of the religious reforms, Hezekiah's officials selected some of Solomon's 3,000 proverbs and copied them into a single collection. The, these are the chapters, these are part of the collection is chapters 29 and 28 and 29. And we'll be reading these chapters together. With 3,000 proverbs to choose from, these would be those that Hezekiah or his officials saw as the most important. And this was a time when at Ahaz, Hezekiah's father, had led Judah into idolatry. So we are just going to walk through this collection right now that has been chosen. So it's called the Hezekiah Collection. This chapter, chapter 28, contains a heavier concentration of theological reflection than earlier chapters in Proverbs. It references God to the law and righteousness. It is also the contrast of the righteous and the wicked in relation to order and the judgment of God. People reflect their leader. People are attracted to leaders that are like them, and they reflect the leaders they follow. And a few notes to consider in this chapter. Blessings that follow God when living with integrity are the following. Boldness, longevity, understanding, godly inheritance, glory, mercy, blessings of God, deliverance, reward, abundance, provision, and divine appointments and opportunities. And I just want to quote our pastor, Jason Boucher. You know, it's not all, it's not about the earthly rewards, but rather the one who records. I love that. I'm going to say that again. It's not just about the earthly reward, but about rather the one who records. So as much as God gives all of this, he gives in this life and the life to come, which is the abundant life, but it's about him watching and him seeing us live our lives. I love that quote. I just had to say that by our pastor, Jason Boucher. So Proverbs 28, two to 12. The meanings of these following Proverbs stand alone in their truths individually. However, these Proverbs taken and applied as a group indicate that righteous individuals are essential components for a justice society. This section shows that for the entire society to be well off, each member, each Christian must practice integrity and righteousness. And this is a blessing of the righteous dwelling in the land. So Proverbs 28.1. The wicked flee when no one pursues, but the righteous are bold as a lion. This speaks of a confusion and fear when property belongs to the wicked, when property belongs to the wicked, not to the godly and wise. 
This is because they are under God's displeasure and they lack the strength and courage of the Holy Spirit. I love this though. The righteous are bold as a lion because God's righteous ones stand even when opposition comes against them. With God's strength, they are bold as a lion. Proverbs 28.2, because of the grand transgression of a land, many are its princes, but by a man of understanding and knowledge, right will be prolonged. To have many princes or rulers or officials is not a blessing. This speaks to how large, complex, and multi-layered governments can be, and it can be a curse to the people set because of the transgression of the land. That can also be part of the confusion, like a curse that is sent on the land. Instead of many princes, God blesses a man, a land with a man of understanding and knowledge. Great and godly leaders can be a wonderful blessing to a nation. And that is what we are praying for. Proverbs 28, 3, a poor man who oppresses the poor is like a driving rain, which leaves no food. One might think that a poor man would have great sympathy for others who are poor, but this is not always the case. This is stating that even the poor can oppress the poor. Proverbs 28, 4, those who forsake the law praise the wicked, but such as keep the law contend with them. When the fundamental principles of justice are rejected, it does not benefit the righteous. It gives benefit and praise to the wicked. So this Proverbs presents only two paths, reject the law or keep the law. The line dividing humanity is not racial, political, or even religious, but spiritual. It's a spiritual law. It's a spiritual line. And this is a line that runs through every human heart. And this is why God goes to that very spirit, that very root of that division. Proverbs 28.5. I'm just going to be reading the scriptures and then kind of unpacking them so we don't miss them. Evil men do not understand justice, but those who seek the Lord understand all. Those who are fundamentally evil or wicked simply do not understand justice. They don't understand it. They do not understand the principles of justice and how to apply them to their own lives because their minds are naturally blind and are further blinded by their own thoughts, opinions, passions, and by the God of this world who rules over them. In Proverbs 28, 6, it goes on to say, better is a poor who walks in his integrity than one perverse in his ways, though he be rich. There are worse things than poverty. To be a wicked man or woman who does not live integrity is worse. This is an encouragement to the poor who are often neglected and despised. A rich man or woman who is twisted in their own lives before God is worse off than a godly poor person. We can be defined more by our character than by our bank account or our financial worth. And that is so true because it's about our king who not only rewards on this side, but on the other side. Proverbs 28, 7, whoever keeps the law is a discerning son, but a companion of gluttons shames his father. I'm just going to quick drink here. Obedience is proof of wisdom. That's so powerful. Obedience is proof of wisdom. Those who claim to be discerning or wise yet live in disobedience show their complete ignorance. One does not have to be given over to destructive appetites themselves to be ashamed to their family. Simply being a companion can embarrass the family. So this is what this is alluding to. Proverbs 28.8, one who increases in possessions by usury and exhortion 
gathers it for him who will pity the poor. There are some who become rich through economic violence. They charge high and unfair interest, or they use their power to cheat and steal. God will not allow these oppressive criminals to have the last word. We know who has the last word. God has the last word. In the resolution of God's judgment, the wealth of the wicked is simply gathered for those who love and pity the poor. Proverbs 28, 9, one who turns away from his ear from hearing the law, even his prayer is an abomination. The law is the Torah and God's covenantal instruction from God. This came from God to Moses, to his people. And God always wants us to have an open and attentive ear towards his word, the law. To have no hunger for God's word is a sign of spiritual sickness in a child of God. God is not bound to hear or honor the one who neglects his covenantal word. And before we speak to God in prayer, we should humbly listen to his word. And that is where we move and dwell from. Proverbs 28.10, whoever causes the upright to go astray in an evil way, he himself will fall into his own pit, but the blameless will inherit good. There are those who take pleasure in causing the godly to go astray. They take pleasure in seeing it. It makes them feel better and perhaps superior to those that are upright. But God has a way of protecting his upright, even if they go astray for a time. God knows how to put the wicked in their place. I love that. He knows how to make sure that the blameless will inherit good. God is a good, good father and he protects his own. God does not leave the final word. There it is again, leave the final word to the wicked man and to his evil plans. God has a final word and he loves his own. He loves us. Proverbs 28, 11, the rich man is wise in his own understanding, but the poor who has understanding searches him out. It is not unusual for rich man to be proud and to think himself wise. Other Proverbs explain that wisdom often leads to wealth, but not every rich man has gained his wealth through wisdom. Proverbs 28, 12, when the righteous rejoice, there is great glory. But when the wicked arise, men hide themselves. When those that live with wisdom and righteousness rejoice because of the condition of their community, it is good for everyone. There is great glory when there is righteousness and wisdom in the land. Even wicked men don't want to be ruled by wicked men. That's the truth. Even the wicked don't want to be ruled by the wicked. A culture may live off the inheritance of a previous righteous generation, but when the wicked wicked arise, those benefits and the freedoms righteousness brings will slowly diminish. The state of a nation can be so shameful and dangerous that wise and good men withdraw and hide. They run partly out of grief and shame to see the wickedness that is committed publicly and partly to avoid the rage and injury that the wicked oppress. Proverbs 28, 13, he who covers his sins will not prosper, but whoever confesses and forsakes them will have mercy. Since Adam and Eve, human instinct leads us to cover our sin. It's so true. That is our instinct. Our conscious, our conscious makes us ashamed of our sin, and we don't want others to see it. We even hide from God. In a sermon on this Proverbs, I love this, sermons Charles Spurgeon describes some of the many ways men attempt to cover sin. And I can, we're all included in this, myself included. If these are some of the things that we do, and they're all done in vain. They're all done in vain by an all-seeing God. We are so much safer to bring confession. We're going to get into confession in a minute. We use excuses and justifications, secrecy, lies, schemes to evade, 
responsibility, time, we can just put off tears, ceremonies, or sacraments. The path to receiving God's mercy is to confess and repent all of our sin. And this is truly the way to prosper spiritually and in, the, in life in general and to receive God's mercy. Confession opens our heart to receive mercy that we so desperately need. The things I just mentioned only bring hardship and destruction and more sin. It just compounds us in our hiddenness. The biblical practice of confession is taking God's side against sin. I love that. Confession is taking God's side against sin. It's not coming under this oppressive feeling of heaviness in the sense that God is bringing judgment upon us. It's actually coming to God and coming on his side of feeling his grace and his mercy and love. So confession is taking God's side of sin and then receiving God's side of mercy and grace. The biblical confession of sin can free us from the heavy burdens, remove hindrance, of the work of the Holy Spirit, and it can cause spiritual weakness and hypocrisy to be removed. If we, the great conviction of sin and confession were very common in times of spiritual awakening and how we need a time of spiritual awakening. And that is happening in each of our lives during Heartstrong, but this is what God is doing, bringing spiritual awakening. Confession should be made to the one also sinned against, not just in secrecy, But if you have sinned against someone, it is a powerful practice to humble ourselves and to confess our sin one to another. We have harmed each other. Most Christians can display a preference for just confessing and sin before God when they've hurt someone. But there is a powerful breaking of that bondage when we confess to someone else when when we've sinned against them. Confession can be made public. And I love this. It is discreet when it's made public as well. It just can be pray for me. I need victory over sin. We don't need to go into tons of detail when we pray publicly, but saying this can be very important because it keeps us from being superficial Christians and act as everything is fine when it's not. It brings us to a great place of humility. And I know watching Pastor Jason Boucher, I know he's one of my favorite pastors. He's my pastor, one of my wonderful friends, but also my pastor and leader. But, you know, oftentimes he will confess and say, I need Jesus. I sin." I need the redemption work of God because that brings us all into the place that we are walking this out, this redemptive sanctification journey together. There's only one that is perfect and that is Jesus Christ. So first off, confessing to one another, if we hurt one another is really important. Secondly, confessing publicly our need of God and our need for redemptive work because of our sin publicly is really important. I'm just going to go on here. If we confess, I'm just going to read actually this little part here. I'm just going to skip along a little bit, but confession. So just in tidying up confession part, confession is often made to people, but it's always before God. So even when we confess before people, it's always made first and foremost to God. Confession should be appropriately specific, use discernment and with accountability with someone you trust. So if we are confessing because we've hurt someone, that's one thing. If we are confessing very secret private sins for accountability and to break those bondages, it should be used with great discernment and accountability with someone we trust. Confession should be thorough. We must want freedom because we see that sin is ruthless in its destruction. There is no playing around. It is ruthless. And confession must have honesty and integrity. And if we confess, 
with no real intention of battling this sin, of walking in sanctification, which is acknowledging what sin really is, then our our confession is not effective. Just confessing for the sake of of confessing is not effective. Confessing and asking for God to forgive us for the proper use of the intention of complete freedom and asking God to come into that space to set us free is effective. There has to be that intention to battle sin. Real, deep, genuine confession of sin has been a feature of every genuine awakening and revival in the past 250 years. That's very significant. Confession and genuine, deep repentance of sin has been a feature of genuine awakening. And I follow all, I, I love to follow revivals. And it's so true. All the revivals. I There's a book, it's called, um, oh my goodness, I just drew a blank. The generals, God's generals, God's generals. And it's just in the past hundred years, if you're looking for something right now to dive into, God's generals is an amazing book, but every single one you're seeing revival repentance. Let's move on to Proverbs 28, 14. Happy is the man who is always reverent, but he who hardened his heart will fall into calamity. Sadly, reverence and happiness are not commonly associated together. The reverent man is often seen as grumpy and sad, but reverent being reverent and genuinely happy can be together. Proverbs 28, 15 to 16, like a roaring lion and a charging bear is a wicked, wicked ruler over poor people. A ruler who lacks understanding is a great oppressor, but he who hates covetousness will prolong his days. With these vivid images, Solomon describes the effect of a wicked ruler over poor people. He is dangerous towards them. Proverbs 28, 17, a man burdened with bloodshed will flee into a pit and let no one help him. We can suppose this may happen because the man burdened with bloodshed has a guilty, anxious mind that clouds and confuses his thinking, and he ends up in a pit. It may also be because God's curse is on this man that is burdened with bloodshed. We go on to Proverbs 28, 18. Whoever walks blamelessly will be saved, but he who is perverse in his ways will suddenly fall. This proverb probably does not have eternal salvation in mind, but rather being rescued from the calamities and troubles of life, especially under the old covenant. God's blessing and protection was on those who walked blamelessly. We're coming near the end of Proverbs 28. He who tills his land will have plenty of bread, but he who follows fervently will have poverty enough. The reward of work is harvest, and those who till his land will enjoy the harvest that comes and will have plenty of bread. There is something about working in harvest, and I believe we're in a time of harvesting. God is calling us to work. That's talking about working in general, but spiritually working. We are in a time of harvest. Proverbs 28, 20. A faithful man will abound with blessings, but he who hastens to be rich will not go unpunished. This is a true general principle. Faithfulness and obedience to God's law brings blessing. Faithfulness and obedience to God's law brings blessing. And those who hasten to be rich, they are willing to cheat or compromise to gain wealth. Proverbs 28:21: to show partiality is not good because for a piece of bread, a man will transgress. In the court of law and in our daily dealings with people, we should not show partiality, favor, or condemnation based on race, class, nationality, or influence. And this is the warning in this Proverbs. Proverbs 28, 22, a man with an evil eye hastens after riches, 
and does not consider that poverty will come upon him. The stingy, unrighteous man will run after riches with the same energy that he will use to selfishly hold on what he have, has. God's blessing does not rest on the stingy, and poverty will come upon him when he doesn't expect it. Proverbs 28, 23. <clears throat> he who rebukes a man will find more favor afterward than he who flatters with his tongue. This is talking about bringing a rebuke. If you do this out of love and you do this with great wisdom, you will find more favor with that friend and that person than before the rebuke. And this is about bringing proper, healthy correction that it brings favor if it's done with wisdom and love. Proverbs 28, 24. Whoever robs his father or his mother and says, it's no transgression, the same is companion to a destroyer. Woo. These are, this is alluding to those that have little conscious about stealing from their parents with entitlement. They may rob them and say, that's no transgression. This is talking about dishonoring your parents. Proverbs 28, 25. He who is of a proud heart stirs up strife, but he who trusts in the Lord will be prospered. A proud man or woman is constantly causing strife. They don't agree with most people, so there is strife. But we trust in God. We lean on his word. We will prosper. He who trusts in his own heart is a fool, but whoever walks wisely will be delivered. There's a strong urge promoted to us by the world, the flesh, and the devil to trust our own heart, to follow our own heart instead of trusting God. And if we trust our own heart, we will be foolish. We will be as a fool. For answers, values, and guidance, we should not look from, from within, but from looking to the Lord and from his word. Proverbs 28, 27, he who gives to the poor will not lack, but he who hides his eyes will have many curses. God promises to bless the generous heart and the one who expresses generosity to the poor. And Proverbs 28, 28 says this, when the wicked arise, men hide themselves. And when they perish, the righteous increase. When wicked men come to places of prominence and rule, it is bad for the community. Freedom and blessing to the community are much less present. And in response, men hide themselves. When they perish, the righteous, the righteous increase. This means that when the wicked perish and the influence passes, the righteous increase along with their influence and opportunity. And this is an opportunity for the nation to be blessed by the righteous. Now, Psalm 28, here's 29. I'm just going to move on to this one. There's some cautions to watch for in Psalm 29. I mean, Proverbs 29. I keep saying Psalm. In Proverbs 29, our attitudes, people rejoice when a good people, when a good leader leads, our stability with moral leadership, there is healthy ruling and justice, unstable and corrupt leaders tear things down. Our compassion is a third one. Good leaders express compassion for all, bad leaders do not. Fourthly, our honesty, we need to look for honesty. When leaders are deceived by their lies, those around them believe and live by them. And fifthly, our vision, secure vision keeps us focused and moving forward. Unhealthy vision leads to chaos and collapse. This is a lot about Proverbs 29. He who is often rebuked, Proverbs 29.1, and hardens the neck will suddenly be destroyed and without remedy. As in many places in the Bible, the hard neck is used as a figure of speech to speak to the stubborn attitude that resists and disobeys God. Proverbs 29, 3, I'm going to move on to that one. Whoever loves wisdom makes his father rejoice, but a companion of harlots wastes his wealth. 
Children of any age bring happiness to their parents when they love and live in wisdom. It gives parents pride and joy in their in their children and gives peace about their children's future. So this is talking about wisdom and loving wisdom for their children. Proverbs 29, 4. The king establishes the land by justice, but he who receives bribes overthrows it. Now here we're getting into a few things about the nation. A nation can only expect strength and progress when it is ruled with justice. When a community or nation sees evildoers punished and restrained, fairness in the legal system and agreements are honored. There will be justice and a foundation for growth and blessings. However, bribes destroy the foundations of fairness and equality before the law. It means that the rich and devious will prosper. I'm going to move on here. A few different Proverbs here. Proverbs 29, 6. By transgression, an evil man is snared, but the righteous sing and rejoice. A man may be evil in his character, yet in his actual acts of trend, are, but his actual acts of transgression ruin him. Most evil men think they are celebrating life and freedom through transgression. They're deceived, but it will be a trap and a snare. Proverbs 29, 7. The righteous consider the cause of the poor, but the wicked does not understand such knowledge. One mark of the righteous man or woman is that they care for the poor. So there's lots about poverty and caring for those that are oppressed. It is thought that compassion, it is thoughtful compassion in action that God is looking for. That is really the summary of that psalm. Thoughtful compassion in action that God is looking for. Proverbs 29, 8. Scoffers set a city aflame, but wise men turn away wrath. In the city of fools, the scoffers are some of the worst offenders. They are so settled in their combative, cynical rejection of God and his wisdom that they may bring judgment upon the city because of their own working. Proverbs 29.9. If a wise man contends with a foolish man, whether the fool rages or laughs, there is no peace. Solomon likely reflected on some kind of argument or dispute. And because there were two different foundation and principles for living, it isn't a surprise that these two different opinions contend with each other. There will be no end or fruit in debate if the fool is not satisfied or convinced and does not see the error of their way because they need to know the truth of God's word. And it's just saying that there is fruitlessness when debating with foolishness. It's fruitless. And so debating, it's really Solomon saying we need to step away from debating with fools and in foolish, not just fools, but we can be fools too. foolish context of of conversation in disputing matters that will only lead to no end and foolishness and disruption. So this is a real heed in, I, I really believe right now in divisive times, God is saying, be very wise, be very wise in your conduct, in your conversation. So as we're moving to the end here. Proverbs 29, I'm going to read through these different Proverbs and just highlight a few little things. The bloodthirsty hate the blameless, but the upright seek his well-being. A fool vents all his feelings, but a wise man holds them back. It's its nature of a fool to think that everyone is interested in all his feeling and that he has some obligation to inflict all his feelings and opinions on others. But a wise man knows that there's a time and a place to vent personal feelings but no one should ever intimidate or expose all of his feelings. There's a real wisdom and restraint. Proverbs 29, 12. If a ruler pays attention to lies, all his servants become wicked. Anyone in authority will have many who want to use his or her power and position for advancement. This is what it's talking about. 
And when this deception is rewarded, it will continually manifest and fruit become the fruit of that, that power or that leadership. The poor man and the oppressor have this in common. The Lord gives light to both. The Lord gives light to the eyes of both. And Proverbs 29, 14, the king who judges the poor with truth, his throne will be established forever. Proverbs 29, 15, the rod and rebuke give wisdom, but a child left to himself brings shame to his mother. When the wicked are multiplied, transgression increases, but the righteous will see their fall. Correct your son and he will give you rest. Yes, he will be a delight to your soul. There is no revelation. When there is no revelation, the people cast off restraint, but happy is the one who keeps the law. The revelation here is not just spontaneous word. It is God's great revelation in his vision. We need a vision in our nation. A servant will not be corrected by mere words, for though he understands, he will not respond. Proverbs 29, 20, do not see a man hasting his words, for there's more hope for a fool than for him. Proverbs 29, 21, he who pampers his servant from childhood will have him as a son in the end. An angry man stirs up strife and a furious man abounds in transgression. A man's pride will keep him low, but the humble in spirit will retain honor. And whoever's a partner with a thief hates his own life. He swears to tell the truth, but reveals nothing. But the fear of man brings a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord shall be safe. Many seek the ruler's favor, but justice for man comes from the Lord. Justice for man comes from the Lord. And as we close up here, an unjust man is an abomination to the righteous, but he who is righteous, upright, is the, in the way. So, sorry, an unjust man is an abomination to the righteous, but he who is upright in the way is abomination to the wicked. So, as we just close this part, I want to just, I know there's a lot about poverty and rulers and what wisdom looks like and foolishness and discussion in our heart and confession and all of those things were, were all in those, those proverbs. And I just want to say, I just feel like as I'm closing this up, this is actually what's happening in our time. Our need to confess, our need to watch what we speak about, our need to watch our discussions, our posture of heart, our posture of humility, our posture to recognize our heart can lead us astray, that we live in a land with rulers that are over us that we may agree or not agree with. We may agree with things with one another, agree or not agree with, but we cannot show partiality. We must pray. We must get on our knees and ask God to show us the error of our way first, walk in a way of humility, walk in a way of honesty and integrity before God, walk in a way of love together, receive the same grace and mercy gifts to us to extend to others. And so if you would just be okay with this for the next eight minutes, I just feel like you know, I didn't want to go off on anything to deal with rulers and governing authorities because I want to really hone in in this moment as we close off Proverbs here with our heart for our nation, our heart for rulers, our heart for leaders, our heart for us to be led by our own hearts. We are all called to lead different capacities, different influences, but we are all leaders to lead our own lives, to lead a way of an example to those around us. And God determines who we lead and the influence and the capacity of that, but we are all called to lead. And so there's a powerful, just a word that I saw in 2020 by Tim Sheets, 
this um, is really a prophetic word to Canada. And it really is about what God, I really believe, is doing right now in our nation. And that we can't look to what we see on the outside. We need to look to the King of Kings. We need to fix our eyes that there is a spiritual component. A spiritual component. It's not a law component we're looking for in our land. It is a spiritual law, a spiritual unfolding of God's righteousness. And that comes through a birthing of prayer. And this is coming through the righteous in the land. And so I just want us to watch that. And then we can discuss that for the next 20, 25 minutes, uh, that kind of word. So really redirecting all of these proverbs and wisdom to this word. Again, I am delighted to be here and speak into Canada. I heard the Lord say Monday morning this past week, September 28th, uh, 2020, I heard the Lord speak a word for Canada. I'd gone to bed the night before praying for Canada, knowing that, that I was going to be doing a broadcast like this for you and simply saying, Lord, give me something from your heart for them. When I opened my eyes that, that morning, Monday morning, I heard the Lord say, and this is an unusual word, so um, just listen maybe with those spiritual ears. But I heard the Lord say, the latter rain is the former rain, and now the former and the latter rain will synergize together in fresh winds of heaven. For Holy Spirit is pouring out a new Pentecost on Canada and the revival in its DNA will now accelerate forward. COVID will not stop it. Government will not stop it. Cultural evil will not stop it. I have ordained its purpose and will overwhelm antichrist agendas by my greater glory. Yes, says the Lord, the former revival in Wales will now resurrect and live in the provinces of Canada. I have heard your cries and have seen the humble heart of my righteous remnant. I have heard the intercessory appeals. Portals are now opening for glory and great anointing to pour forth. Portals are opening for my angel armies to move through and enforce the prayers and the decrees of my ecclesia. Canada will surely see revival and bold reformation. For I am mantling and bringing forth from obscurity my apostles and my prophets. Prophets of great boldness will now rise throughout Canada to proclaim my word. They will proclaim my word without compromise. Apostles will now rise from obscurity and move with aggressive authority throughout Canada. For I have trained them in the secret places. I have groomed them for this moment. 
They will proclaim my word. They will proclaim my power to deliver. They will proclaim and stand as champions for my cause, and they will follow the leadership of Holy Spirit. And I am calling now my hidden remnant throughout Canada to rise and take their place, voicing their agreement with what I have purposed, voicing the promise of my prophetic words, my prophetic visions and my prophetic dreams, voicing a bold faith that shifts Canada's government and resists nominal Christianity. I will pour out a prevailing grace upon my remnant in Canada. And the shout of overcomers will rise from my kingdom expansion throughout all your provinces. Liberal strongholds will now become ecclesia strongholds. Demonic strongholds will become kingdom strongholds. For I am sending supernatural breakthrough and my angels of breakthrough are advancing through open port portals of glory to break you free. Listen to the sound, the Lord says, of confinement breaking. Hear the sound of truth prevailing over lying spirits. Hear the sound of chains of limitations breaking and falling to the ground. Hear the sound of mighty winds blowing through houses of worship. For it is the sound of freedom. It is the sound of liberty and it is the sound of revival. For Canada will surely now begin to water the roots of the Welsh revival that is in her DNA. And it will now flourish. You will, the, you will sing the songs of the redeemed. You will sing for joy the songs of holy love. You will, you will praise and worship the Lord and your praise will become known as the antidote for hope deferred. You will sing lifting holy hands proclaiming the awesome loving kindness of the Lord and you will join together under open heavens, open portals of glory singing his vast love has broken us free. His kindness has led us to repentance. Our children will sing the songs of freedom. Our hands and hearts will rejoice. Our hearts will be filled with hope, with peace, and with laughter again. Revival sound is echoing through the land. Be encouraged. Holy Spirit has plans for Canada. Plans that have been born in heaven and in the council, the council of heaven. God is raising up prophets that will proclaim what he says throughout your land. Prophets that he has hid and protected. You may not know who they are. You may even be saying, uh, who, who could it be? 
God knows them and he is causing them to now rise, rise and lead, rise and prophesy. He's raising up apostles that will activate sound doctrine. And he is bringing some from obscurity that you, you don't even know their name, but he does. And he has been grooming them for your times. Now, this is the second time Holy Spirit has talked to me about the Welsh revival and Canada. He's emphasizing it to raise hope, yes, but also to activate a new era of greater glory, not just in Canada, not just that affects Canada, but that will also help affect the United States and the world. So as we, I just love that. I, I don't know if any of you know about the Welsh revival, but I saw this and I, I, I study revivals. I want to encourage each of you after today, we are not to be discouraged by what we see. There is a spiritual DNA. Isn't that powerful? It has been birthed in the council and to speak life over our nation, to speak hope over our nation, to speak revival and righteousness over our nations, to prophesy the word of the Lord over our nation because there is a destiny and an inheritance for Canada that we are not to negate or to give or to just say, oh, well, we are to lay hold of it as a righteous. And I love the word of God. I get fired up when I hear things like this because I just want I want my children's children's children, like what we are doing now is critical for our children's children's children. Not just what we see out here, but we do in the heavenly, what we lay hold of. So I'm not gonna take more time because I could go on and on about this. And I probably should have opened up with this because I could just go on about the prophetic and about the destiny of Canada and speaking life over Canada, hope over Canada, even over our leaders, prophesying life, not what we see, Man looks on the outside, God looks at the heart, speaking into our leaders, speaking over our nation life. And so if you've never read or anything about the Welsh revival, many came to Canada after the Welsh revival, immigrated here. There is an actual DNA in Canada. I love that. Read about the Welsh revival. You're going to be rocked. It is amazing. It transformed the whole nation of Wales. And so that was in the early 1900s. So have a look and I'm believing that we're gonna see it with our eyes. I open the court. Thank you so much for me taking a little bit more time, but I wanna encourage you speak life over your situation, over our nation, what we see with our eyes. We need to walk in the spirit. We need to walk in the spirit. So as leaders, amen. <laughs>